Hi, and welcome to Intercom on Product, which is a new podcast series with myself, Des Trainer, co-founder of Intercom, and Paul Adams, who's our Senior Vice President of Product. Over the time we've worked together, Paul and I have had countless conversations about things like how to run a product work at scale, how to balance customer feedback on your product roadmap, how to spread a product-first mentality throughout a company, how to maintain design excellence in a fast-growing R&D team, and so much more. In this series, we're going to begin sharing some of these discussions with you on a regular basis, covering everything from industry trends, what's hot right now, all the way through to things like, how are we embracing the rise of automation? So if you're a designer, product manager, engineer, researcher, or anything in between, we think you'll find these conversations really valuable. You can subscribe to Intercom on Product on iTunes, you can stream it on Spotify, or even just grab the RSS feed in your player of choice. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Intercom a Product. This is our second episode, and today we're going to talk about launching a product and customer feedback. And I'm joined by Paul. Hi. And we've just launched a product uh, recently enough in Productors. Productors was interesting in that it was a long-standing request. Our sales team wanted us to build it. Our customers wanted to build it. People left Intercom because we didn't do it. So it's out there in the wild now. And my first question to you, Paul, is what are you looking for in the responses from customers who are trying it out? I guess there's lots of ways to answer that honesty <laughs> which you don't <laughs> yeah. struggle for right. obviously like when you launch a product a brand new product we you want to learn what's mm-hmm. good what's bad we have a principle here called ship to learn right. which is that um, when we when we ship something our intent is to learn and when we ship something like product towards which is a big project internally we ship with confidence that we've done a good job you know because we would have um, done a lot of research and analysis and thinking and design work and iterations and so on all the way through build but humility too. We often talk about this idea that when we ship at Intercom, we want to ship with a combination of confidence and humility. Like, is that like as in we're sure we've done our best, but we're open to the idea that we're wrong sort of exactly. thing? Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or, or we're sure we've, not, yeah, we're sure we've done our best. We're confident we've done a good job if we right, follow yeah. our process. Yeah. You know, yeah. if we yeah. thought we've followed our process. Yeah, not our very best because that would involve like being in beta for like years and shit, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the humility, I think, is the bigger piece of that. Mm-hmm. And... The humility is simply assuming we're going to get something wrong. Mm-hmm. We always assume we'll get something wrong. We've never not launched something and learned straight away, like out the door, day one. Oh, mm, interesting. Hadn't thought about that before. Right. It's interesting how uh, that overlaps with, like, I think I was listening to a podcast recently where Mark Andreessen made the point that, like, a product is effectively a conversation with the market. Yeah. And it's like, when you launch, it's kind of like your opening statement. It's like, here's some stuff that I think is interesting. And what it reminded me of is, like, it's the difference between like this auteur view of like the, you know, the genius who wants to build his or her own product. Yeah. And they don't really care if anyone else uses it because for them, it's an expression of their art form right. with a small amount of utility for them. And they don't, you know, and like there are lots of like crafty, beautiful little like Mac apps that are like this yeah. where it's just, it's so nicely conceived and all that. But literally they're not open to feedback. It's like, it's like there's maybe it's, there's confidence, but maybe it's not even a lack of humility so much as it is. It's an actual apathy on what anyone else yeah. thinks. It's like a painter who's like finished their painting and they're like, well, it's done. Yeah. I'm not going to take feedback and go back to the canvas with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess a product is like, you know, a software product, especially when you're hoping it'll be grown and adopted, it's pretty much the exact opposite, right? It's like you're basically throwing something out there and saying, here's what we think about a certain problem space. What do you think? Yeah. And we hear that back, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, full full two-way conversation. Right. It's actually funny, like a, what we, as you talked there, it reminded me, of the idea that, uh, you know, when do people leave teams or leave companies? Most mm-hmm. often when they finish the project. Right. They're like, I'll see this project out and then I'm going to work on the next project. Yeah, yeah. And I've already got my eyes on the next project even as, as this one's going out the door. Or, 
oh, it's a good time to leave the company. I finished mm-hmm. that project. It shipped. I can now yeah. put it on my resume and it's public, yeah. uh, which is the opposite behavior you would want in a conversation. Mm-hmm. Literally, the conversation got started yeah. and everyone's left. And you just mic drop out of there. Yeah. yeah. And so, obviously, like we internally here at Intercom uh, don't have people move off teams. It's mm-hmm. the opposite, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, for the product tours launch that you mentioned there, the tours team, their first job is to stay yeah. together yeah. and listen and talk and listen further and then start working on, like, better and better and better versions of the product. Right, and I think um, in the earlier days of Intercom, for sure, when we had, like, you know, much, much less engineers and designers than we had even products or yeah. product ideas, it was more tempting for us to jumble people around and the one tax I always felt we paid was this sort of like organizational amnesia. This like the person who built the thing is no longer the person talking to the customers about why the thing doesn't do what they thought it would do. Yeah. And uh, and as a result, you have a lot of people learning this stuff for the first time. So there's a real like benefit or like, uh, you know, value in that like longitudinal ownership of like having somebody experience it from idea through to execution, through to feedback, and course correction mm-hmm. and uh, and letting them realize actually it turns out what you taught in October is no longer true here in May when people are actually trying to do the thing. And I think like that was, you know, I'd say some of our bigger mistakes internally have come from like shuffling people off things too quickly yeah, or like moving, even moving one role, like something like a product manager. It's just just such a key role. The amount of context that they have in their head and you can throw Google Docs and, you know, all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. like this all you want. But like the sort of the fast decision-making process that comes from having all of that stuff in your head at, at once is like a, it's a painful thing to lose, which is why you have to handle those transitions so carefully. Yeah, yeah, it's massive, massive. Like you said, there is so much out of context is actually in people's heads. Mm-hmm. Even things like, you know, we run betas, and like, like I'm sure lots of people listening in, we've like a process for all these different parts of the development process. But we run betas, and as a result, like the team get talking to customers mm-hmm. and customers, early customers using the product. And typically, it's the PM, the designer, maybe there's a researcher there too. Typically, they're the people doing most of the talking. And they do take notes and we do iterate, but the context is mostly in, in people's heads mm-hmm. and then lost. You know, yeah. uh, like you said, uh, as you iterate from like version, you know, 0.1 to 0.2, yeah. you kind of, and then 0.3, you've already yeah. lost the history and the context. Yeah. And Why de- is that so lossy? I often wonder this, like, I, I, in, in my head, I'm, I'm agreeing with you because I've seen it happen, but yeah. like, I guess it's hard to motivate somebody to document all of the, the dead ends they went down. Yeah. So such that the next PM won't immediately run down on its dead ends too, right? It's, it can be tricky. Yeah, very much so. I think it's also, I'm not even sure how to describe this, but like rational and emotional in a way. So, right. you know, when you're talking, you know, you know as well, talking to customers, hundreds and thousands of them over the years, there's emotion in language. And so, and body, you know, you and I hear body language too. Like there's, mm-hmm. you can see and feel things that never get written down. And yeah. the, you know, one thing we often talk to people about is how much energy is there behind right. something? So like, yeah, yeah. you see something in a Google Doc, you know, did someone say like, this would I, be cool or this would be cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or that's yeah. crap. Oh yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, so the energy matters and you don't yeah, capture Sure. That. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. usually the first warning sign. You're ready to ship a shit product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Words to avoid. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty good. Might be okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I cut you off there. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. Like the energy that's like baked into all those conversations gets lost. And, and never would you document that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you might try and bubble it all up into some like hit list, like top mm-hmm. 10 things, ordered, ranked. So I think that's one of the reasons it's so lossy. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, the human brain is being this like remarkable thing we don't really understand even most mm-hmm. of the time. 
does so much processing on the fly. Mm-hmm. So as people talk, you know, PMs or designers or anyone who, who's talked to lots of customers about the same thing, they're mm-hmm. pattern matching subconsciously mm-hmm. all the time. So they're building like an intuition. I think intuition is a really interesting word mm-hmm. to think about product development. It's something that I leaned out of for a long time as I was trying to course correct my own biases and say, hey, pull back to the data, yeah. pull back to the objective facts, you know. But over the years, in recent years especially, I've leaned more into like trust your gut right. or your intuition. And so, you know, your intuition is coming from thousands and millions and billions of experiences over your life. They're like all yeah. pattern matched in your subconscious. And so it's getting quite deep, I realize. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, and so I think that's why it's so lossy to go yeah. back to the point, you know, that that the team builds this intuition for what's right yeah. and what's better. Yeah. And then you put someone new on it and they got to do all that work again. And it's kind of hard to document intuition in a sense because like it's it's things you don't even know know that you know in a sense. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's like trying to ask like a soccer player to like describe how they play football with a pen and paper. Right. It's like it's like I, I don't know. Give me the yeah. ball and I'll tell you. Yeah. Um but it, it's in I think like you know, I, I've seen in Intercom how the relationship with data has been like a pendulum swing of sorts. Like right. early on, we had no data. So it was just talk to the 10 customers and see yeah. what they say. And then when we, it was only really when, it, when that failed to like be a, a sort of scalable approach did we start to lean on data. But then mm. you can definitely go too far on the data and you lose all that energy and you confuse things like sure sounds good, but we need to ship this immediately. Yeah. Uh, so then you start swinging back to the qualitative and, you know, you maybe haven't flexed your data muscles enough. So there is a kind of a to and fro there. Yeah. A lot of this kind of reminds me of a question that came up right after we launched Productors on Twitter, which is, I made the point that um, we listen to customers, generally speaking, uh, through the medium of like customer conversations. Right. And uh, the the main types of like analyses we do are like our customer voice report, which is, you know, what people are saying to us regularly. And yeah. then we have like churn reports, which is like people have quit our products. And if there's any feature-based feedback there, we should take it. And then there's like, why are sales not closing deals? which we call our problems to be solved, like which is the sales-led sort of documentation of the things that we are missing in our products such that customers won't sign. Could you talk us through each of them and what they do? Yeah, definitely. Here's a a kind of more meta point Mm -hmm. before I get into that, which is these things we do these days, like the customer voice report, problems to be solved, are structured. Like there's a little process in there. And and I think that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Same as yourself, I can say it was on Twitter after the product was launched. I was speaking at a conference there recently and I was talking to a bunch of people afterwards and they were fascinated by these types of things because it's fashionable these days, you know, via whatever you want to read, Lean Startup or whatever. It's very fashionable to talk to customers. Hey, you got to be out there Mm -hmm. talking to customers. Make sure you're talking to customers. And so what you end up with is loads of people just talking to customers Mm -hmm. and it's not structured and they don't necessarily have the right skills or like research background or training to pull signal out of the noise. Yeah. And so these things that we've put in place are designed to do exactly that. So the the problems we solved one is interesting. That's that's the channel, like you said, from our sales team. Yeah. And it's but our like, newest one as well. It's our newest one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. The customer voice support is much, much older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's been funny because I I make this joke here and there internally, it's questionably even funny, but that, you know, as our sales team got off the ground, we didn't have this process. And mm-hmm. so the only way that the sales team had influence over our roadmap was to like talk to me in the bar after like mm-hmm. three or four drinks. You know? be like, why won't, could you please build like whatever? Please build X yeah. or the, usually it'd, for, it'd come in the form of a customer story. Like, yeah. hey, yesterday I was on the phone to so-and-so or I went over to their office and they were like really, you know, yeah. wax and lyrical and back to the energy thing. There was like a lot of energy yeah. and I'm like, yeah. wow, and you've got a lot of energy right now mm-hmm. and I do and we're in a bar and it's energetic in yeah, here. Yeah. And next thing like, I wake up the next morning and I'm like, 
wow, we, that's the thing. And we yeah, should yeah. work on that. Yeah, if Tesla want pointer messages, damn it, we're going to build pointer messages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, so, yeah. and so we needed something just more systematic and mm-hmm. scientific, frankly. Uh, and so the problems we solved then came about initially from all the sales team having all these conversations. So we're happening every day and coding them in Salesforce, mm-hmm. which is the tool they, they use. And they'd code the conversation with a bunch of different t- tags, like mm-hmm. this type of feature request or like in this part of the product. And then we would like, like pull that all out into like a big list, a kind of spreadsheet basically, stack rank it. And then the team, the sales team with the marketing team's help would then like put opinion over it, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, that we you actually feel like, even though this one came up a little bit more than that one, this one's more important. And, mm-hmm. and then so they bring us back a list of things we could work on and then the last thing I'll say, and then, then that as, as like one input into our roadmap, the last thing I'll say is the name. The name's interesting because the first name of this artifact wasn't called Problems to be Solved. Right. It was called the Product Market Matrix, right. I think, which was like, you know, not product, a great name. Not, no, not, as, not catchy, not <laughs> yeah, that catchy. Yeah, yeah. And like Matrix, and you look yeah, at the spreadsheet, yeah. and you're like, mm, yeah. close. Yeah. And so it was framed, all the things on the list were framed in terms of the things our customers said they wanted. Mm-hmm. So it was all like feature request X and very specific. Yeah. And so, you know, like any good product team, we stepped back and said, okay, is that actually what they need? Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's a, an often quoted statement. You're not going to Henry Ford, Mary. No, I'm not okay, actually. No, 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 no. Which actually it turns out you never said that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Not going, not going there. No, this is often stated quote that, Customers are expert in their problem, yeah. but not the best solution. Yeah. But they'll phrase it in yeah. terms of the solution because yeah. that's, that's how they think. Human speak like, yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. Um, I use software X and it has feature Y and yeah. I just need feature Y and intercom. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right, hang on a second. Why do you need feature Y? Right? And then mm-hmm. you go through this whole process of due diligence and understanding the problem they have. And it turns out then they are like expert in the problem. Yeah. But the solution, the best solution, it could be something entirely different. So we changed the framing of this whole artifact to right. be problems to be solved. Right. It's a problems now. They're, yeah, all, they're yeah. all like, hey, here's problems our customers have. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. How do we do CVR? Yeah, CVR, customer, customer voice, voice report. report. That's a lot older, like you said. So this, the problems we solved comes out of the sales team. Right, so they're actually from non-customers. I think that's an yeah. interesting piece. When we didn't do this before, and this is kind of a lesson I've learned the hard way and something I've said to a lot of startups I've met with, you're not talking to the people who can't buy your product Yeah. unless your sales team are giving you feedback. They have no way of getting feedback. They sure they can sign up, give you feedback, and then quit, but they're not going to do that because they've yeah. got other shit to be doing. So the biggest realization for me is like the voice of the unmet customer, we've often described it as, is like what you get from your sales team. It's like, here's the people who want to use your product, but they can't, and this yeah. is the stuff you need to build to enable them. Yeah. I feel like the customer voice report comes out from the other side, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's from our support team. Mm-hmm. So it's the voice of the customer. It's kind of a little bit self-explanatory. Yeah. So our, in the same way that our sales team talked to all these prospective customers, tag the conversation. So again, like providing structure on mm-hmm. all these conversations that they have. The support teams do exactly the same thing. This all happens through Intercom, which is probably not a surprise, where the conversations flow through Intercom, the support team are solving all these problems our customers have. And as a result, e- e- either the conversation they're having is an actual feature request or a product gap, yeah. or often if they're like solving a technical query, the customer, they just keep talking because mm-hmm. in a medium with mm-hmm. a messenger and so on and an inbox and Intercom. They just keep talking and then they'll often get more stuff. Like, oh, and by the way, while I'm here, I'd love X, I'd love Y, this is hard, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. And that all, like Salesforce with a sales team, all gets tagged in Intercom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, again, extract out a report, stack rank it, order it, and then that comes into the roadmap process as well. And then lastly, I guess, 
Customer voice reports will be typically people who are using our product yeah. who have requests. When we look at our churn, uh, like so people who have genuinely quit using Intercom yeah. uh, for a, a feature gap or a feature quality issue, how do we sort of tally that against customer voice report? Like it, I feel like voice reports, what they're saying, and churns may be a bit closer to what they're doing, right? Or at least it, it certainly turns the dial on severity. Yeah, very much so. And actually, like, there's a there's an important point there, which is you should not blindly take these lists. Yeah. Like, and that's not what we do. Like, yeah. you know, we have four inputs to our roadmap, and the customer voice report is part of one input, mm-hmm. and the problems we solved, doc is a part of another input. Yeah. So there's just inputs. Yeah, sometimes yeah. we never do things on both. Yeah. Sometimes the team will do lots of things on yeah, both. Yeah. But yeah, churn is what people do. We run a survey just before people, when people quit, mm-hmm. we basically ask them, hey, can you please tell us how you're quitting? why you're quitting and the goal there of course is us to understand why they're quitting yeah. because we don't want them to quit and yeah. if we could build something and they probably don't want to quit either like it's moving, yeah, right. moving support yeah. tool or sales tool or marketing tool it's not easy like they're doing it because like it's, it's not for fun like it's, yeah it's, like it's we failed them in some yes, way exactly you and know, they're annoyed about it too like yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely and so we ask them why they're quitting and get a ton of feedback there too mm-hmm. and again that that we you know it's another report that gets pulled um it's another input yeah, I mean, like, I think I've I've often sort of like, you know, the features that appear on all three are obviously like things we should be doing. Like yeah. if, if a sales team, a lot of people are quitting over, our current customers are asking for it. There's definitely something, I think, around pr- the maturity of any given product as to where you should be prioritizing your workload. So, mm. so if you launch a product, you tend not to have a lot of input from sales because they haven't started selling it yet. Yeah. But um, I often think like if, you know, you kind of want to work backwards through the funnel. If, if you know, fix the things that are causing the product to be churny first, then fix the maybe like frequently requested features that maybe aren't total churn causers, but are definitely stumblers or definitely like make the product less attractive. Yeah. And when you when you genuinely feel like you're on, you know, good ground, like you're you're like you've got good net retention, et cetera, then you can start saying, okay, well, let's let's cast the net wider. Let's now take on sales feedback and let's bring in more people right. into the mix who themselves may well, like we might fix the sales feature, uh, the, the sales blocker, and that might bring them in, but then they might just churn out to the other side because of something else that they forgot to ask for during procurement. Yeah. And then we're back to the start again. We're like, all right, let's work from the back forwards again. And I think that's generally speaking when in the early days when you're like scrapping for users or in the later days, uh, advice I've always often given the marketing teams is like work from the work from the end of your funnel backwards as in yeah. fix your product marketing before you throw a million dollars of ads at it. Right. But similarly, fix your product before mm-hmm. you try and expand the addressable market of your product, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that resonates strongly with me. Um, I, that, like that's, that's I think, how we've always thought about it for a long time. But it, it reminds me as well, you, know, you mentioned earlier, like the pendulum swing between like qualitative and quantitative yeah. data yeah. over the years. We've had a little of a swing here too. And that's not what you want. You want a balance. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think you want A, a balance. And the balance doesn't have to be like a third, a third, a third. It could, you know, might differ depending on your company, but you want a, re- a true balance that does feel balanced. And then you want to do it in that, in that kind of like reverse yeah. order. And at times, you know, in our early days, we were like very heavy on the support side of our customer yeah. voice report. Only later did our sales voice grow with problems we solved. Yeah. And now it's very important for us, as you well know, we talk about yeah. a lot internally that we have yeah. a balance, yeah. that we are equally considering all the constituents you mentioned, you know, yeah. people who are quitting, people yeah. who are frustrated, or existing yeah. customers, people who are just getting started or trying yeah. it. Like each of those reports, they kind of resonate in different metrics. Like churn is obviously churn. It's like what percentage of customers are you losing? Yeah. Um, and then customer feedback generally tends to correlate with, uh, with customer satisfaction. In that right. If most people have to ask for 10 features, they're probably not loving the tool. Yeah. And then lastly, you've got you kind of like commercial success with the product, which is if no one can afford, if no one can procure your product because of you lack certain features, 
then yeah, your your actual your revenue targets are going to be like not as crisp as they might be if, if yeah. you like. So you can kind of like each of them kind of do map to a metric, and I think um, I think that there's like it's worth keeping that in mind when you're looking at a roadmap. Like I remember like in the early days, we used to like you know, if you go deep in any one of these, you get diminishing returns pretty quickly. Like right. I remember like one user was requesting like they wanted to upload a GIF as their profile photo, and I'm just like. In what world is that important? <laughs> but it was a good sign that that was, I think it was a he, uh, that was his most important issue. And I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. our product must be really good that this yeah, is managed exactly. to bubble its way to the top. Yeah. So over the next, say, three, six months, uh, when you think about productors, how do, like, you know, we'll, we'll be pulling our first versions of these reports in the next uh, short while. Yeah. What What are you looking for? What, like, you know, what, what's the dream case? What's the red flag? I don't know if I have a simple answer to that. We see we're seeing feedback already. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, the, the the day we launched it, like Twitter was lit with like people just yeah. saying, "Hey, this, that, and the other, I love yeah. this." Do, yeah. You know, are you doing that next? Like, yeah. you know, yeah. does it work on mobile? Yeah, 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 exactly. Straight away. Yeah, yeah. It, it's always a good sign when every single request you get was a knowing thing you scoped out. Right. It right, means you knew true. exactly what you were doing, and you you took a bet that it didn't matter that much. And yeah, we'll see. Obviously, if those people never sign up because they see it not it's not there, that's one thing. But like yeah. a lot of those things we're already working on. Yeah. Yeah, that that has been good for us. Um, one thing I would say, this isn't really an answer to your question, but it's an interesting th- thing to talk about, I think. In, in that list of, you know, feedback from customers, I'll add a fourth one I think is important. And then I'll, I'll tie it back to the product towards thing. So we have our customer voice report from our support team. We have our problems we solve from our sales team, our churn report. There's also then this, the silent majority, mm-hmm. right? It's like this: the customer voice report is people who got in touch with us. Yeah. The sales thing is like people who got in touch with our sales team typically. Churn is our, you know, churn uh-huh. server at the end. And, uh, we ask them, hey, why are you quitting? And then there's like everybody else yeah. who's like this big giant middle. And, you know, I was going to say it's like boiling a frog in the saucepan, but like you just, mm-hmm. there's like, you just don't know how healthy everything yeah. else is. Yeah. And so um, it's really exactly important. Like boiling a frog in the saucepan. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, won't, I won't go deeper on that. <laughs> uh, and so it's interesting because when you look at like, like our product tours launch, for example, many more people will try it mm-hmm. than will talk to us. Yes. And so, uh, you know, I guess I'll answer to your questions like, you know, what am I looking for? Nothing specific. Again, it comes back to like humility piece. Mm-hmm. We, we simply do not, and it's, I do not know. Like, and I, I, by the way, didn't work on this project at, at all, at all, only in like very peripheral ways. Mm-hmm. T- the team did. Mm-hmm. So they have the intuition and I don't. Yeah. So maybe they would have a slightly different point of view in this. But we, we don't know. We're, we're Like there's a humility here. We do not know. So mm-hmm. we need to be really proactive in talking to all these customers. Yeah. And like maybe at some point they'll churn. And yeah. that's obviously like, you know, the horse is bolted out the stable yeah. door or whatever. Yeah. And so the answer to your question is I hope that we proactively talk to a lot of people yeah. and pull out what problems they need solved. Yeah. Yeah. And do so with humility and kind of be open to all feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we absolutely have gotten things wrong. Yeah. And so let's yeah. find out what they are and fix them fast. Absolutely. And that's that's the whole point of a conversation, I guess. Yep. A conversation with the market. Yep. And we'll end episode two with that simple lesson from Paul. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Intercom on Product podcast. For more content, go to our blog at intercom.com slash blog or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. This is Intercom on Product.